Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. <laughs> Praise God. Hey, would, would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28? And while you're on your way there, I just want to, I'd be really happy this morning to introduce uh, my son. Uh, this is Pastor Isaac Hammonds right here. Would you stand up, please, sir? He's a good-looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> You, you might, he, he kind of acts like me a little bit, you know? That's right. I had, I had a hand in, I'm not done, baby. I had a hand in that. My wife's already saying, don't forget about his wife. <laughs> Miss Kayla, would you please stand? This is, Kay, this is my, my daughter-in-law, my daughter, Kayla Hammonds. Hi. Yeah, thanks for that, man. You, you got me there. That's good. Thanks, brother. So 1 Corinthians 1.28. Are you there? Cool. You remember the whole story that we talked about of Joseph last week, right? Because listen, I, I don't have time this morning to go back over. I hope you remember that stuff because Joseph had some, some severe ups and downs. But how many of you remember that there's a universal unifying theme throughout eight chapters of Genesis where the Bible says God was with him? Whether he was in the pit or the pinnacle, God was with him. Didn't matter if he was in the pit, the prison. Didn't matter if he even ended up with Pharaoh. And then on to the second ruler of the nation of Egypt. God was what? Right. And so we talked about how when you're at a point when you're, you don't have anything left, when you're at a point where you're, you're very, very low, God is still with you. God is seeking to bless you. God is still trying to show his love and his mercy and his abundance in your life. Is that good? Now, 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 now I just want to remind you, I, I, I need some people to come help me with my teeter-totter. Thank, thank you. And I don't know where Jason went, but uh, he's somewhere, Dr. J somewhere. You've got to put it on a mark there for me, fellas, if you, don't, if you know where that's at. Now, if you remember, that teeter-totter, hi, Dr. J. Yeah, hi, buddy, I love you. You missed the mark. <laughs> so, so I want to... Yeah, that's, that's fine, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Okay, so if you remember, we'll just do this much t today, okay? If you remember, there was some ups and downs, right? You, do, you, do you remember that much? How many of you know that, uh, that Joseph had some downs? And, and on the right side, say right side. You're going to need to remember that for this message this morning because it's all about being on the right side. Amen? You want to stay on the right side of mama. You want to stay on the right side of your wife. Come on, you want to eat or not? Right? You want to stay on the right side of Frida? There he is. Jeb, right there. He's on the right. Good, Jeb. Good. Awesome. You're not laughing on that one. Okay. You want to be on the right side? That's the place of favor. Yeah? Amen? So you remember there was some ups, there was some downs. And I just want to talk to you about how the will of God works. You see, there's very few non-stop flights in God's will. Get this, get this. You ever, you ever, you ever flew on, an, on a jet plane? Leaving on a jet plane. Right? You ever get a nonstop flight? Those are nice, aren't they? Cost you some moolah. Most of what we fly is back of the bus, four or five stops, red-eye express, come on. So what happens is, is the airplane goes up, right? And it goes a little while, and then it, what, what's, what's the airplane do? 
it goes back down. See, there's a lot of hubs in the will of God. And you've got to get used to that. It doesn't mean that God isn't going to get you to your destination. It, ju- it just means that there, there are very few nonstop flights. You've got to get used to that because if you're not careful, you may not get to Hawaii. Come on. You, because you're stuck in Tulsa somewhere thinking that's where God wanted you. Hey, hey, listen. Tulsa ain't bad, but it ain't Hawaii. Are you alive this morning? You know, you might want to, you want to, you, you want a vacation uh, uh, somewhere like Cozumel. Come on. Come on. You know Cozumel. Yeah, man, I do Cozumel right now. You, somebody want to bless me? Come on. <laughs> but we always stop. We always end up stopping somewhere in Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth or whatever else. Then we got to get on another plane and on another plane. We eventually get there. Here's the, here's the deal. Don't miss the next flight because you're so upset that you had a low. This is, this, is, this is what Joseph teaches us. But it's going to teach us a whole lot more because God ends up picking not the highs. God ends up picking the lowest of the lows. In fact, I'm going to give you three L's here. God ends up picking the least, the littlest, come on, and the lowest. And then he does the lift. He does the greatest. He takes the fulcrum of favor and moves it in such a way that it lifts the least, the lowest, and the littlest. You might be here this morning and say, I'm as low as I can go. You might say, you know, what can God possibly do with me? You might say, you know, I'm the least even of my family. I'm not very gifted. I don't have a whole lot. Well, congratulations, you're a candidate. You're a candidate for a facelift. Some of you are like, I'll take that. I'll take that. Your countenance ought to be happy this morning because God picks you. You, come on randy yeah so so what god selects man rejects what you think god wants is not what god really wants what god really wants is the lowest the least the littlest look at this scripture here first corinthians 128 but god chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise now some of you you say you know what pastor you act a little foolish sometimes I'm just following scripture. No, 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 no. Now listen, so sometimes, this is, I'm going to attack religion this morning. I'm going to get after it this morning. Because if we're not careful, we get into this, you know, this, <laughs> there's a lot I want to say, I'm going to be nice, okay? But we kind of get into this, uh, you know, kind of real uptight, and this is the way God, God wants us to be. And then we get into a service, and you know, it, it, we're supposed to be a family, you act like that at home? Dinner is ready. You know, you, you act like that? This is family, man. I don't act like that. Now, 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 I'm not saying that we're not supposed to have reverence or respect for the Lord and His house, but at the same time, that doesn't mean I can't, I can't be His kid. Amen. Suffer the little children to come under me. Oh, that's the lowest. Oh, that's the least. That's the littlest. Come on, watch this. It says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Now, very operatively, I want you to see this verse. He chose the lowly and despised things of this world and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast in His presence. If you're the lowly, 
you get ready for a lift. Because what man rejects, <laughs> come on. I wonder if I'm, I'm going to say it again so we can remember it for later. Because you might, you might have lunch and say, what was that message even about? What man rejects, God selects. God's looking for you. What about, what, about what, what, what James said? Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he'll do what? Take, take you lower. Sean, he, he'll take you even lower if you humble. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. Amen. Who gets the lift? The low. I just think, I just call it the law of limbo. You, you, know, you, know, you know, how low can you go? How low? Can, not very far. <laughs> Knocking on 50. This is what 50 looks like. That's all I got. So, but hey, that's, that's all right. What's Matthew 25, 40 say? Unto the least of these, when you've done it unto them, you've done it unto me. In other words, Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to stand on the right-hand side, and I'm gonna, I want you to identify the least with me. The people that you bless that are the least, I want you to understand you're identifying with my people. We don't think that way. We live in a world of hierarchies where everybody is trying to crawl upon everybody else to get to the top. I've told you before, it's kind of like a, a bucket of crabs. What happens with a bucket of crabs is they all claw and bite at each other and crabby, crabby, crabbiness to each other so that they can get out of the bucket. But in the process, they all clip each other so that no one gets out. Hey, how many of you know it's okay? Get on my back. Hey, you, if, if, you're, if you're busting out, go ahead. Get on my back. Come, come, come on out in the name of Jesus, right? No, pastor, no. No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yes, you do. Because when someone else gets out, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. Yes. Yes. Randy, did you say I got your back? Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic, dude. I'll, I'll pay you later, okay? I, I got a little check for you, Randy. It's, uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I did not know he was going to say that. Okay, great, great. This is, uh, this is the upside-down kingdom of Christ. It's paradoxical. It's a reverse screw. It's like pulling a trailer on your truck and backing up. It's, it, everything's opposite of the way you think. But, but praise God, that's who God picks. He, he picks the least, the littlest, the lowest. And when I think of that, I think of a movie called Simon Birch. You don't, you've never seen that movie. Okay, forget Simon Birch. Okay. Simon Birch was born little, little, never got any bigger. He was just this little guy. And I remember Simon Birch at the end of the movie, that he's on a school bus and all the kids had made fun of him all through the movie because he was always little. And he was always talking like this. And at the end of the movie, the school bus crashes into a pond. And it's Simon Birch that's small enough to get out of the bus and save all the kids. How many of you know that God is in to Simon Birch's? Amen. Yeah, and he wants to use you. He wants to use me. And we're going to have to take apart this story a little bit more this morning. Man, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to burn a few calories. How about that? This, this, you know, when God picks his team, maybe, maybe you're, you're like me. I, I wasn't great at sports. Uh, we'd go out for recess, and we'd have two captains. And, and, and it, I would just be sweating because I wouldn't get picked first, and I wouldn't get picked second, and I wouldn't get picked third, 
how many of you know? Because I had glasses. You know, they called me Glenn, Glenn, the big fat hand. That's what they called me. I got over it. But I get picked last because I'd, I'd want to play baseball, but I'd always miss. And how many of you know you don't want to be picked last? You, don't, you want the captain to pick you first, but that's a, that's a very awkward feeling to be picked last. But when Jesus steps up to the plate and he's the captain and picks his team, he picks the kid that in the yearbook in high school, most likely to either end up in jail for life or sell used cars. That's what they said about me. He says, I'll make you a pastor. <laughs> all right. All right. I, I get to be on the team for once. How about you? You want to be on the team? Jesus is picking people like us. And so we see this pattern. Can I take you through it very quickly? If you're trying to take notes, this wouldn't be the time because there's a lot of information. Just, just go ahead and get online and, and listen to the sermon later if you want to write them all down. But I'm going to give you some names. Think about this for a minute. When God picked his team, who, he, picks, he picks Moses over Aaron. Who was born, born first? Aaron was born first. Three years older. Three years older. You say, well, big deal. He picked one of the two brothers. What's the, what's the big deal? The big deal is that in Hebrew homes, the firstborn was of the first fruit of the Lord. He was the consecrated one. He was supposed to be the leader. He was actually supposed to get a double portion of the inheritance. All the blessings came to the firstborn. Now, I'm going to test you. Who did the blessings come to? Uh, five people. Okay, you get a C. So the firstborn got a double portion. Not the second guy. The first guy. And yet God doesn't pick the first guy. God starts picking the little brother. The smallest brother. He picks Moses instead of Aaron. Think about this for a minute. He chooses David, who is the youngest of all of his brothers. He doesn't pick the oldest brother. He picks David. And even in that verse and in that text, God says, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. Amen. And then what about Jacob? What about with, with Jacob and, and the 12 tribes of Israel? What happens? Esau and Jacob were born at the same time. You remember? They were twins. Esau was born first, correct? Jacob second. But who got the birthright? Who got the blessing? Who got used by God? Are you seeing a pattern here? Oh, I don't know if you are. Let me go a little bit farther. How about Gideon? The Bible says, Gideon being told by this angel, I believe it was Jesus Christ, oh mighty man of valor, right? He says, me? I'm the runt. I'm the youngest of my family. I'm just the little guy. And Jesus says, no, you're mighty man of valor. The captain of the host said that. Now, it could have been an archangel, but I think it was Jesus. <laughs> and he says, you're the one I'm picking. How about Solomon? Was he firstborn? Well, I just can't wait to be king. Who's he get to be? King. He's not the firstborn. Think about that for a minute. Think about this. How about Abel? Why is God accepting Abel's offering when Cain is the firstborn? Hebrews even later says why. By faith, Abel offered a more acceptable offering to the Lord or sacrifice to the Lord. He did it by how? He was the least. He was the lastborn. And later the blessing is passed on to Seth. Not Cain. He's the one cursed. 
Dare I go a little bit farther where the book of Hebrews draws a contrasting comparison of the first Adam and the second Adam. Did you know there was a second Adam? His name is Jesus. And the Bible says the first one brought death and a curse. But the second Adam brought what? Salvation and eternal life. He is the second Adam, not the first. And who brought the blessing? The second. (laughs) Where do I go from here? Over and over and over again, here's stories. And what do we know about Joseph? In the story of Joseph, we know that he's the youngest of the brothers, right? Until Benjamin comes along. Mr. Benjamin. He's now the youngest. And in that story, we see something curiously happening. Something that paints a redemptive picture of how God uses the least and the least expected to do the greatest work of all. If you remember, though, Joseph's name means what? Increase. I want you to remember that. So wherever Joseph is, there is increase. Now, when Joseph was with his family, was there famine? No. When his brothers sold him off, not many years later, was there famine? Yeah. Was there famine in Egypt, though? No. Because Joseph was there. And everybody that came in contact with big brother Joseph was blessed. Maybe this has to do with relationship and not religion after all. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what Abel tapped into. Maybe he tapped into relationship and by faith offered what God had wanted in worship rather, rather than doing it by religion. Did you know religion was born with Cain? I can do it my way. I can do it through works. See, I'm making the devil mad right now. <laughs> You, 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 think it's a big, you think that's God doing bowling upstairs. It's not. The Bible says Satan fell from heaven like lightning. Uh-huh. Every time he hears that sound, he's reminded of his fall. Ooh. So I love it when it rains. I'm complicated like that, you know, but I like it when it rains. Anyway, if you think about this, Joseph, wherever he goes, people are blessed. I want you to see Joseph and the power of proximity here. Coming close to this person, being around this person, brought favor and blessing. And I want you to see how favor and blessing works. It's the least expected person that connects with it. And here it is, Joseph. Now, I'm going to give you a few scriptures. You can look at them if you like. They're in Genesis. The first one is Genesis 43:29. In Genesis 43:29, we realize that Joseph is now seeing his brothers again. I want you to see what happens, because this relationship is imperative. It helps us understand some things about our relationship with Jesus Christ and how Jesus wants you blessed. Amen? Amen. Listen, if, if you're not blessed, how can you do what God's called you to do? What, did I make you think too much? Think about this for a minute. You want a miracle, but what you really want is to be blessed. Miracles are just to get you out of a tight situation. Blessings get other people out of tight situations. You really want to be blessed, not just a miracle. Miracles happen, but blessings do too. What are blessings for? To get other people out of tight situations. Can we ever move beyond our mess and beyond just a miracle? 
and on to bountiful blessing. That's what happened with Joseph. His brothers are now coming before him, and they're about to realize who he is. They're about to understand, this is the one we sold off as a slave. This is the one that, oh, we're in trouble with daddy now. Good thing that dad's old. You know, he can't chase after us too much. But this is the one. And I want you to see what Joseph does and the power of relationship here. In Genesis 43, 9, it says, when he saw his youngest brother, he said, God be, what's the word there? With you or gracious to you, my son. Why grace? I thought we were in the Old Testament, Pastor. Grace don't happen until the New Testament. Wrong. Grace happened all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant. It's always been God's plan to do the work and provide the way. You know, we get the the resting benefits. Abraham slept while God walked through the sacrifice. Come on, man, somebody. Did you go to Sunday school? Did you? Don't shout me down over it. Come on. You should see this here. So he says, God be gracious to you, my son. My who? Son. Son. So Benjamin is saying, or actually Joseph is saying to Benjamin, Grace, son. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Now I want you to see what happens next. We see the number five all over the blessing that comes in grace. In, In Genesis 43, 34, all the brothers are seated at the table, but Benjamin is seated there, and he gets five times more steak. How many of you right now, you're identifying with Benjamin like, no tomorrow. Thank you, Jeb Bunny. I know. I've seen you eat. It's good. And then later, in Genesis 45, 22, he gives him five garments. Used to be a Subway commercial. Five, five dollar. You don't remember that? That's Subway. I want to talk about five for just a second. What do we see in five? We see... Five is grace and favor, but we also see it's in response to worship. In Leviticus, there were five different sacrifices. Say five. There were five different sacrifices. Isn't it awesome, though, that Jesus' work on the cross was so powerful that one work of Jesus outmeasured five? One sacrifice is greater than five. Woo-wee! So in Leviticus, it says, you want to worship God? You want to honor God? Well, here's the way to do it. There's five different ways to do it. And there's the grain sacrifice, and there's the waving, and all these sacrifices that come on. How about in 1 Samuel, David goes off to fight a giant. You remember his name? Goliath. Six-finger, six-finger, man alive. How do you ever get along with five, right? Big old nasty big guy. How many stones does he take with him? Is David a worshiper? Did God give him grace to defeat the giant? Come on, are you with me here? Worship, grace, favor. Mm -hmm. How about Mark chapter 6? There's this little boy that comes along. There's 5,000 people, right? Well, there's 5,000 men. All right, they only counted the men back then. They all want to have lunch. They're getting angry. It's an angry crowd. Little boy shows up, and how many loaves of bread does he have? And what does he do? He offers them. Isn't that worship? And what does Jesus do? He blesses it, breaks it, thanks the Father, 
blesses it, and before it's even multiplied, thanks the Father. Before the multiplication happened, he thanked God. Then, passed it out, and how many people ate? Wherever the Son of God is, (laughs) there's blessing. And everybody eats. That's what I love about God. He is a buffet God. The Word says, I buffet my body daily. It's in there somewhere. This all happens. This all happens when he sees Benjamin. Well, we need to talk, we need to talk about who Benjamin is. Come on, are you with me this morning? Benjamin's name means son of my right hand. The place of favor. The place of blessing. The place of relationship. That wasn't always his name, though. When he was born, mama called him something else. Ben Onani. What did that mean? Son of my sorrow. But later, his daddy prophetically knew better and said, you're not son of my sorrow. You're son of my right hand. You're the son of my favor. You're putting favor. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. Don't you know how this works? You're putting your favor on the littlest, the lowest, the least. That's not where it belongs. Or does it? (laughs) And I see that Jesus later takes the place of sorrows. He's even called the man of sorrows. Ben Anani. So that we might take the place of Benjamin. Son of the right hand. I love the fact that here is Joseph. He says, God be gracious to you, my son. I remember when Jesus healed a little boy, and what did he say to him? He said, Son, rise up and walk. There was more than one healing in that verse. It wasn't just a healing of his legs, it was a healing of his soul and his eternal life. He called him Son. God says, You're my people of my right hand, people of my favor. In Genesis 43 30, We see the first time Joseph weeps. Who's it for? It's for his brothers, but it's when Benjamin appears. When Benjamin appears. I want you to see that God loves you so much that when you cry, He does. When you hurt, He he hurts. When you have joy, He has joy. He has it right there with you. There's not a thing that you go through that He doesn't go through too. No one will be able to stand before his throne and say, you don't understand. Because he's going to say, yes, I do. I was there. I even even had your hairs numbered. Now, for me, that's a little bit easier than for some of you, but it doesn't mean amount. It means every individual hair has its own name and number. That's how much he cares about you. The Bible says he he holds your tears. in, In the Psalms, it says he holds your tears in a bottle. Every time you've been broken, He was there. He's seen it. He knows. I want you to think about this too. Why is He he weeping when His brother that He calls Son, that He wants to be gracious to, why is He weeping when He shows up? I want to show you a picture here, if I can, between religion and relationship. Are you ready? Spaghetti? 
Okay, here we go. Get a load of this, Dave. See if this doesn't bake your egg. Here he is in front of his brother. He weeps. His brother is there. He sees his older brother weeping for him. He's got the favor. He's got the blessing on him. Why does he weep? Maybe it's because they're from the same mama. Maybe it's from Mama Rachel. And maybe the other brothers are from a different mama. Oh, you've not read your scriptures. And maybe they represent two. Oh, I'll go back up here so you can get this. Somebody's going to prophetically get this before I even preach it. I hope you do. I want you to see two over here that has to do with love. Jesus had two in the New Testament, but that's getting ahead of myself. And I want you to see ten brothers over here that have to do with law. And they're from Leah. And I preached and taught you on Leah. Come on, church. You want to be over here on the right side, don't you? Right? With love. The Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel. And Randy claps his hands. The Bible says that he loved Rachel. There was a love relationship there. But he got stuck with Leah first. And do you remember why? He got tricked by his uncle Laban. Right? Probably got a little drunk. No, I'm serious. That probably got a little, little intoxicated. Then they go to the, uh, the chupa. Chupa? That's the marriage tent. And he doesn't bother to unveil her to see. It ain't Rachel. It's cross-eyed Leah. Come on. I mean, that's, that's what the Bible says about her. Chuck's like, <laughs> Chuck's like, I cannot believe he just said that. <laughs> he didn't lift the veil. <laughs> I want you to see the veil on this side. I want you to see 10 on this side. I want you to see the law, the left. I want you to see a place that you're cursed and condemned. And then I want you to go over to the other side where Joseph and his brother Benjamin are. And I want you to see love. And then I want you to see what Jesus taught in the New Testament. He said all of these commandments, oh, oh, okay. All of these commandments hang on these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) You can have the law. Or you can have love and favor and relationship with God. And over here, it's not stress. Over here, it's not strain. Over here, it's not struggle. Over here, it's spirit. And Paul speaks about it later. He says, you know what? Or you could be over here where you try to please God your way. Where you try to make God happy with your own works. Where you try to make God pleased with your actions. And God says, you know what? i got a better way. I'll send my son of my right hand. He'll take your place on the cursed side. And you get to stand on the other side and take his place on my right hand. And you can have my favor and you can have my blessing. Just walk in love. (laughs) You can have Leah... In the law, all you want. Or you can have Rachel. <laughs> Gosh, how much more did I... How much? Because some of you are looking at your watches already. You say, you're saying, I can't take it anymore. I have got to beat the Baptists to lunch today. Hmm. 
I can preach till it stops raining. Woo-wee. I see, I see this in Scripture. I see people trying to do it all the time. And if you think you're better than these people, you're not. Neither am I. You see, Abraham and Sarah tried it. See, they tried the left-hand side. It didn't work so well. If you remember, God had given them promise. God had given them favor. God had given them grace and said, I promise you a son. Abraham and Sarah said, well, we don't see it coming fast enough, Lord, so we're going to do it in our own strength. We're going we're to strain and toil and, and struggle and stress this out. And... Uh, we're going to have Ishmael. Yeah, that worked. We're still dealing with that problem today. Come on. Right? And then later, Isaac came along, the child of promise. And Did you ever think, son? Did you ever think? The child of promise. And it, did, did they produce that by their own strength? Their own? No. They were too old. The Spirit produced the child of promise. It's about relationship, man. I mean, I'd rather, have, I'd rather be over here. I want to be on the right side of God. Literally. Uh, I think you can see this a couple of times through Scripture. If if you think about relationships, and you think about human strength and human effort, maybe we're spending a lot of time on the wrong side. Maybe we're attempting to have this, this Cain relationship with God when God says, hey, I'd rather you be able through me. I'd rather you, I'd rather you have my spirit. I want you blessed. I want you to have peace and love and joy. And and you can't produce that on your own because remember, you're the least. You're the lowest. You're the littlest. And and that's the one that I'm going to give the lift. Think about this for a minute. Think about this. In Psalm 63, 8, the psalmist declared, your right hand upholds me. Not, Not God's left. God does have a left, by the way. But he offers you his right. How he's going to hold... See, the left brings judgment. He doesn't lift that hand to hold you up. He lifts the hand of grace and the hand of favor. You say, Pastor, why are you always talking about love? Why are you always talking about grace? And Why are you always talking about... Why don't you, ta- why don't you make us feel a little bit more like dirt? Because, you know, that works. No, it don't. Pastor, why don't you make me feel a little bit more ashamed? No, that doesn't work. Why don't, you, why don't you bring a little bit, why don't you bring one of those really good messages where, where, where I feel like a dirt ball? That doesn't work. When we see that God wanted to show His love to all the world, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, Amen. to love on us, yes. take our place. Let's go to the end. I'll leave you with this because... Uh, Time is short. I got a lot more, but maybe you'll get it next week. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph says to his brothers, you know, what you you meant for evil, God used it for good. What What you meant for, and we're talking evil. We're talking, sell me off as a slave, lie to Papa that I'm dead, tell, tell, leave me for dead. Yes. Leave me in Egypt, in a foreign land that represents sin in the Bible, bondage. Leave me in Egypt. And Joseph says, you know, what you meant, what you meant for evil, God used it for good. Yes. Now I want you to see this. I want you to see just how good. Because we go, oh yeah, God is good. All the time, God is good. 
right? Here's how good God is. Through Joseph, Pharaoh calls him something very interesting. I'm going to do my best at reading it, but he calls him Zephath Paneah. You might read that in your Bible. You find it in Genesis 41-45. Zephath Paneah. Savior of the world. Well, Pastor, you always do this. You always show us where Jesus is. You, I mean, you just always do it. You do it every single Sunday. I'm just right on the money. He's going to lie. That he's going to land the plea. Now I know because you talk about Jesus again. What do you think this is all about, Willis? Amen. This is all about Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Savior of the world. Even the even the lost got it. When the brothers didn't, the lost did. <laughs> and so last week I told you Joseph is a type of Jesus, but I didn't tell you all the ways. I told you just a few. I'll remind you of some and add a few. Here they are. You know, Joseph tended flocks, so did Jesus. Before he was sold off as a slave, he was a shepherd. Joseph's brothers hated and rejected him. Same of Jesus. Jesus even said that. He said, I'm rejected of my own. He was stripped of his coat. Jesus was stripped of his robe. He was sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph's brothers did not recognize him. I want you to see this. This is pivotal for the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. They did not recognize him at first. Jesus, when he first came, oh, they didn't recognize him. You, who, you? From Nazareth? You're the Messiah. But the Bible says that the second time they came back to see their brother Joseph, they did recognize him. Maybe you, maybe you know how the end of the story in your Bible reads, but the Jewish people will have a revival when Jesus returns. You know that, right? <laughs> you know, they both ministered to criminals. Joseph in a prison ministered to a baker and also a cupbearer, and they were both bad guys. Jesus on the cross had one on each side. Come on, church. One of those criminals becomes a believer. You remember, I preached that last week. The other one does not. I like how the brothers go back to tell the father that Joseph is alive. He says... Joseph even tells him, he says, Simon, you stay here with me. Simeon, you stay here with me. Later, that'd be Greek, Simon. That would be Shema, here. You stay here and here. Rest of the brothers, you go back and tell Dad I'm alive. Oh, this, does, this, this, is, this isn't Jesus. Uh, go, go, go show Dad I'm alive. And here's how to show him. Here's how to show him. Benjamin goes back. He's got five times as much. He's got five bags of grain. And inside the bags of grain, are you with me, are you with me, are you with me? This is where it gets good. This is where the cheesecake comes. Dessert time. Inside is a silver cup. Inside is a silver cup. Silver denoting throughout the Old Testament and the New. This would be the consecration price. This would be to buy someone back from slavery. This would be the bond price. He sends a silver cup, but it's empty. Because Joseph 
dealt with what was in that cup. Jesus says in the Garden of Gethsemane to his father, and he prays before he's let off and he's placed before the governor, Jesus says, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't talking about the cross. He's talking about the cup of wrath. And so now, when the father would see that his son is alive, here's some evidence that he's alive. He's going to look down in, and he's going to see the grain, and he's going to see the silver cup. And he's going to say, my son is alive. The cup's empty. My son has accomplished what he should accomplish. They send him back with ten wagon loads. Yeah, ten camels. And camels spit. It's a side note, not actually in my notes, but they do. And we look at the Jewish people today. They're still under the law, but blessed. Some of the greatest Nobel Peace Prize winners, some of the greatest statesmen, some of the greatest scientists. Come on, Einstein was Jewish. You picking up what I'm putting down? Blessed. But one day they're going to know that Big Brother's alive. Amen. <laughs> and I love the fact that in the New Testament, Paul refers to Jesus as our older brother. We get to be son of the right hand. He gets to be older brother. We're the little ones, but we're the ones that get to be blessed. Not because of what we've done or will do, but because of the work of the older brother. And this is the picture that I want to leave you with today. Genesis 45, 13. Here's what Joseph commanded him. Tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen and you shall hurry and bring my father here. You know what true worship is? It's reminding the father of our older brother's glory. He's been good to me. He took the cup. He sent camels. He blessed me. There was famine in my life. But He made sure that I was fed. He made sure that I was blessed. He made sure that I was redeemed. He did the work for me. He went to Egypt so I wouldn't have to deal with Egypt. Later I can come in and I'm blessed. And when everybody else is starving, I'm fed. And you look at the, you look at the end of the story. And this is why Jesus... This is why Jesus blesses you. Because there's a whole world that's in famine. A whole world that is starving. A whole world that needs to know the hope of who we worship. We worship Him not because of what He's given, but because of what He's done. We worship Him not so we can show Him what we do, but because of what He has done done he has accomplished the work he's paved the way you and i are blessed as a result i want to leave you with a major challenge stop complaining about your lack you have an older brother you are blessed Amen. 
You are Benjamin. You're not the son of sorrow. You're the son of the right hand. You've got five times as much. You say, well, where is it, Pastor? You got it. You got it. Give it. Share the good news with the entire world and use what God has given you as resources to tell the Father, tell the Father in worship of the glory of what the Son did in Egypt for me, what He did for you. Tell the world of His goodness. If you doubt this morning, I want to pray for you. I've had mine. If you, don't, if you don't think God is up to all good, I want to pray for you. I'm going there, brother. I'm sorry. I just got to do it. Is it okay? He don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> brother Wayne. Been two, three weeks. Okay, that's yeah, that's when you know the pastor gets the story wrong. Okay, it's been about a month. Praying for a job. The right job. Right place. God's plan. God give you a job, brother. So, Heinz, 57, started by a Christian guy who had failed and failed and failed and failed and failed. Then God showed him how to make ketchup. And <laughs> Colgate, look this up, man. Colgate, failed and failed and failed and failed. And then God showed him how to make toothpaste. The guy that owns Hobby Lobby, my brother works for him, he's a regional manager on the East Coast, gives a million dollars to Light for the Lost every single year. God wants you to be the head, not the tail, and he wants to give you the blessing so that you can promote his kingdom and his gospel. Not so he can promote you. This ain't about you showing up with a Cadillac with curb feelers ground effects <laughs> you know what I'm talking you know those curb feelers doot, doot. this is about the gospel it's about it's about proclaiming to the father the work of his son would you stand with me Father God, this morning, I know that there are a lot of needs in this room. I'm going to allow my deacon right now, Father, to pray and lead us in prayer. But God, I pray that, God, we would stop seeing the lack. We would stop seeing the curse. We'd stop seeing the law. We'd stop seeing religion. We'd stop seeing where we don't measure up. And we'd start standing on the right-hand side of God and seeing the favor and the blessing and the opportunities and God, the love that you want to pass through us to this world. 
Help us, God, to move from one side to the other. One side to the other.